the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You just have to hope you're good is good enough. You do that, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mind your P's and Q's, and you just might make it to heaven. No, not really. In fact, as we'll see today, it's something totally different that gets us into that court of the high heavens. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, we invite you to join us today for Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Hi there. Welcome to our program. Today, Pastor Gary takes us back to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 as we work our way through chapter 4 and verse 11. It's a message called Sons of God through faith. And that is exactly where we find ourselves looking at faith, what it is, and how we live by faith. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. This union with Christ is the most intimate and permanent union imaginable. And the Bible stretches its vocabulary to illustrate the depth and the realness, the intimacy of this union between Christ and those who believe in Him. For instance, in one place that union is described as a union between a vine and a branch. And that as long as that branch is vitally connected to that trunk, it has life. If separated from that trunk, it is dead. The Bible uses the picture of a head and a body. Now, that's a vital union. If you separate the head from the body, the body, of course, is without life. The Bible also uses the picture of a husband and a wife that intimate union of love that they experience and that Bible calls one flesh. Then the Bible goes so far as to use the intimacy of the union between the three persons in the Trinity to explain to us the depth of this union that believers have really with Jesus. That is what a Christian is. He is in Christ. He has been baptized into Christ. He is clothed with Christ. He belongs to Christ. His life and Christ's life are one. And it becomes more and more evident to himself and to others as time goes on. The central fact of Christianity is not our faith. It's not even our relationship to Christ. The central fact of Christianity is Christ. Because Christianity is Christ. Everything in it relates to or flows from Him in every text of Scripture. This is an avenue that leads us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is it the moment you believe in Him, everything changes in your relationship with God? Because the moment you believe, you are brought into a personal contact with Jesus Now, let's see how our text says it. 
The first time Paul brings this up in Galatians is in the second chapter. So let's turn there and look at a couple of verses. First, Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. But it was because of the false brethren who have sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus. Verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners. Is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. The point is, we are not just justified by faith, but we are justified in Christ. And when we are brought into such a a close relationship to him, he, he rubs off on us, so to speak. And our character begins to look like his character. Look at chapter 3, verse 26. By the way, did you notice that this section of of verses 26 through 29 is just chock full of Christ? He is the explicit focal point here. Verse 26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And I think a better translation of that would be, for you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus through faith. Now, what is the point? The point is, as I made a while ago, when you become a Christian, you are God's son. You are God's daughter. And why is that? It is because the moment you put your faith in Christ, you are in Christ. And God is your father for only one reason. And that is because he is Christ's father and you are one with Christ. This relationship of sonship that we have with Christ is in Christ. It's not in ourselves. It's not something we have established. It's not of our making. It's not of our merit. It's not something that originated with us. It is all of Christ from beginning to end. You and I are accepted with God as our Father only because we are in Christ and for no other reason. There is nothing in you or me. That would make us worthy of such a relationship. But we are sons and daughters of God in Christ through faith. You see, when, we put, when, when you put your faith in Christ, you are in Him. And when you are in Christ, you are a son or daughter of God because God is Jesus' Father. And He is your Father because you are one with Him. Look at the 27th verse. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have closed yourselves with Christ. So now Paul says that we are baptized into Christ. That's an interesting phrase. And we have to understand biblical words biblically. So the phrase baptized into is a way of expressing union with. One of the biggest arguments of the immersionist to prove that baptism is by dunking is that they say the word for baptism, baptismo, always, without exception, means immersion, which isn't true. And then you see the Presbyterians come along and say baptism means sprinkling. No, it does not. Now, I do believe that baptism in the Old and New Testament is by sprinkling or pouring, not by immersion. And I've tried to show you that before. But the word baptize does not have a drop of water in it. 
The word baptize means to be one with. Let me give you just one example. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, it says, The children of Israel were baptized into Moses. Now, first of all, they were the only people who crossed through the Red Sea that were not immersed in the Red Sea. Remember, it was the Pharaoh's army that was immersed in the Red Sea. But Scripture says the children of Israel were baptized into Moses. Now, let me ask, where were they immersed into Moses? Nowhere. Being baptized into Moses is simply a way of saying in union with him. To be baptized into means to be brought into union with. It means to be, so the baptism into Moses was to be bound to and united to Moses in the fellowship of the covenant of which Moses was the mediator in the Old Testament. So to be baptized into Christ is to be bound to and become one with and united with the Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of the new covenant of which he is the mediator. Paul's not talking about water. He's not saying that it is the water of baptism that does all of this. He's not saying that it is water that has some magical power in baptism that brings you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Rather, he is talking about the spiritual reality of which baptism is a sign and a seal. It's not unusual in the Bible for the writers to take a word for a, biblical, for a visible sign and use that to speak of the reality that it symbolizes. For instance, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant led the children across the Jordan River. The Ark of the Covenant was the sign and the seal of the presence of God. There are passages that say God led them across the Jordan River, and yet the object used as a representative of God is the Ark of the Covenant. Now, does that mean that they believe the Ark of the Covenant was literally God? No, it was just a sacramental way of talking, of taking the symbol and using it to speak of the reality that it symbolized. The Ark of the Covenant represented God. They knew what they were doing. They knew that gold box wasn't God, but it symbolized God's presence, so they spoke of the Ark of the Covenant as if it were God. It's the same thing with baptism. It's not the waters of baptism. That is a symbol. But in the Bible, they take that symbol and use it to speak of the reality of which it is a sign and seal. Let me show you another passage. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall I say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of you have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? Now, when were you baptized into the death of Christ? When he died. Not when you were baptized. To be baptized into the death of someone is to be made one with that person, to be united with that person in his death. And because we have been united with that person in his death, we see in verse 4, we have been buried with him. 
when were you buried with Christ? When you were baptized? No, when he was buried. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism, which is a sign and a seal of the unity we have with Christ. Into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we might walk in the newness of life. So when the Bible says we were baptized in the Christ, it is not, and is not first and foremost talking about water. Water doesn't have any spiritual power to it at all. But it is using the visible signs to tell us, just like the children of Israel were baptized into Moses. Just as they were made one with Moses in the Old Testament covenant, so we, by faith, are made one in the covenant of the New Testament with the once for all mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me read to you from John Stott again. Because some people have literally taken this passage to say that you have to be baptized with water to become a Christian. And if you're not baptized with water, you can't be saved. This is called baptismal regeneration. I was talking to someone who believes in baptismal regeneration years ago. And I asked this man, aren't you saved by the blood of Christ? And he said, yes, it is the blood of Christ that saves. But the blood is under the water. And you've got to get under the water to be saved. In other words, you've got to be baptized by water to be saved. Listen to John Stott. This cannot possibly mean that the act of baptism itself unites a person to Christ. That the mere administration of water makes him a child of God. We must give Paul credit for a consistent theology. The whole epistle is devoted to the theme that we are justified through faith, not by circumcision or other rites. It is inconceivable that Paul would now substitute baptism for circumcision and teach that we are in Christ by baptism. The Judaizers, Paul's opponents, were saying, it is not the sacrament of circumcision that saves you, it's baptism. You've got to go through a ritual. You've, got, you've just got the wrong ritual. But the entire book of Galatians makes the point that salvation is not by ritual, but by faith. Unquote. In this section, Paul mentions five times, faith five times in baptism once. Faith is what brings us into union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism symbolizes that union visibly in a way that is unforgettable for all the people of God. Now look at the last part of that verse. It says then again in verse 27, For all of you who were baptized in the Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You have been made one with Christ in a new covenant. And therefore, beloved, everything is different. And having been baptized with Christ, we are clothed with him. Here again, the Bible stretches its vocabulary to think of metaphors to describe this relationship that we have with Christ. Here, the person who is joined with Christ is viewed as someone who is clothed with Christ. Christ is the garment. He's the cloak and the hood that just falls all over the body. In the presence of God, we are so closely united to Christ that we bear His name and we bear His character. And we're, we're, we're viewed by God in Christ rather than in ourselves. 
When God looks at you, beloved, all he sees is Jesus. If he saw anything else, you would be damned forever. You are so joined to Christ, so clothed with him, that when God sees you, he sees Jesus Christ. Just as a garment envelopes the entirety of the body of the person wearing it and identifies that person's appearance in his life. So the person joined to Christ is taken up in Christ. And in the salvation that is brought to him, he is placed in Christ's safekeeping. He shares in Christ's benefits. He is clothed with Christ. And from that moment on, God will never hold his sins against him anymore. Look at verse 28 again. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. Why? For you are all one. Why? Because you are in Christ. And how do you get in Christ? It is through faith. Look at verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs to promise, to be in Christ and to belong to him. There is essentially no difference between those two phrases. Everyone who is in Christ belongs to Christ. Believers of our Christ's own personal possession. We do not belong to ourselves because we have been purchased by the blood of Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you know, not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body? You don't belong to yourself. You belong to Christ. Everyone who is in Christ belongs to him. You no longer have any claim to anything that you think is yours. Don't I have the right to my own opinion? No. Don't I have the right to do with my life whatever I want? No. Don't I have the right to do with my body whatever I please? No. You belong to Christ, body and soul. You've been bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been joined by grace through faith with him who is the seed of Abraham. And everyone who is in Christ belongs to him from that moment on. You know, you have never belonged to yourself. Oh, you thought you had. Before we were Christians, we really made a big thing out of this. That we were our own man or woman. But we belonged to sin. We belonged to death and we belonged to Satan. You know, you are never your own. You were never doing your own thing. You were following the dictates of the evil that filled your heart. But when you become a Christian, you belong to Christ. And to belong to Christ and to be in Christ means the same thing. Everyone who is in him belongs to him. Do you live as if you belong to Christ? Do you spend your money as if your money belonged to yourself or to Christ, tithing only what you have left at the end of the week or the end of the month? Or do you make provision to pay your tithe? Do you live your days every hour, every moment as if your days belong to yourself or to Christ? Do you spend all of your energy as if the energy of your body and your mind belong to yourself or belong to Christ? 
If you are in Christ, you do not belong to yourself. Nothing about you belongs to you. Every sense you have, every fiber of your being, all the energy you possess, everything about you belongs to Christ. To any here today who are lost or insecure, you have lost your identity. You don't have an anger, an- anchor. You don't have a home. I say to you, in Christ, the lost or found, the unattached or attached, the homeless have a home. The tempest tossed has a harbor. In Christ, a person, for the first time in his life, finds his place. And a person without a place in this world, or a person without a sense of place, is totally lost. That's what it means to be lost. You don't know your place. Well, I say to any of you here today who may be lost, in Christ, you have a place and a purpose the moment you believe. You have a place in eternity, a glorious place. And you have a place in human society and in history. First and foremost, you have a place in the family of God. You are God's child. And the moment you believe, you have an eternal place in the family of God. You have a place in human society. You're no longer an outcast, a misfit. Because the moment you believe in Christ, you are made one with all other believers on the face of this earth. And you have a home in the family of God on earth with lots of brothers and sisters. Oh, some brothers and sisters are stronger Christians than you are, and some are weaker than you are. Some are right where you are. But you've got a home. You've got a place in human society and in the church of God where we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And you've got a place in history. Oh, we have roots. We come from a great history. Everyone seems to want to study his family tree. They want to find out where their roots are. Is it just curiosity? Oh, there is something about man that what his roots are and where he is going in life, his destiny, are important to him. Where am I going to be? What am I going to do? How am I going to live? And what is my place in history? Your place as a Christian is in the secession of the people of God that goes all the way back to Abraham and continues to the end of the world. God says, I'll be your God and you will be my people down through your generations in an everlasting covenant. As long as there is anyone on this earth with your blood in their veins, they will have a place. So you don't have to be homeless any longer. You don't have to be lost any longer. In Christ, you have an eternity in society, in the family of God, in history. You have roots. You have destiny. The gospel of Jesus Christ answers the most basic questions of all human questions, which are two. Who am I and where do I belong? If you have no answers to those two questions, you are lost. What is the answer to these questions that the gospel of Christ offers? In Christ, I am a son or a daughter of God. In Christ, I am united to all God's people, past, present, and future. 
In Christ, I discover my true identity. In Christ, I come home and I find a place. By believing in Christ alone and by believing Christ alone, you can have a place in the family of God, a place in history. You know that you have been accepted by God. You know Him personally. And everything about your life will be different the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The moment you quit trying to justify yourself. The moment you quit trying to find excuses for yourself. The moment you quit trying to impress God and make points with Him. The moment you lay all that aside and you cast yourself totally upon the mercy of God and say, I am hopeless, I am a wretched sinner, and my only hope is that God would have mercy upon me. So I rest upon Him alone for my salvation. I believe what the Bible says is true about Him. And so I come to Him, praying that He would be my covenant God. That moment, He accepts me into His family. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.